When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Podcast Network Asia. Fear to me has always been the greatest motivator. And I think that's the difference. If right now you're listening or watching this and you're like, I'm afraid to do something. Well, good for you. Because when you're afraid to do something, that means you're pushing, testing the boundaries of your limits. That means you're right there. Because if it was easy and you weren't afraid, that means you're not learning, you're not growing. But when you feel that sense of fear, that means you're right at the edge, you're at the limit. And that's when you have to push further. A lot of people see me today and they see all the things I've had, success, wow, look at him, all that good stuff, right? But all that stuff helps me clarify what I want. So fear has always been a great motivator. The fear of not having, not not being able to pay for things, not being able to live the life you want has always motivated me forward. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to whoever's watching me from here in the Philippines and all over the world. And welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. And in my podcast, I like to speak to the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business. What are their success secrets? Can we use their success secrets in our own businesses? How have they innovated? pivoted, evolved their businesses during the pandemic period? And more importantly, what emerging opportunities do they see in the new, new normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to learn from them as well. Just drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumo and on YouTube. So to all of the aspiring entrepreneurs and business owners listening to this program right now, to our podcast, I want to let all of you know that there's going to be the next Business Network International or BNI uh, Philippine National Conference, which will be held again live after three years of virtual gatherings. It's known as the largest gathering of business owners and collaborators in the country. And this event will be held this coming July 7 and 8 at Hilton Hotel and the Newport World Resorts. Now, for those who might not be familiar with BNI, BNI Philippines is part of the world's largest and most successful business referral organization. They offer their members an opportunity to achieve their dreams through growing their businesses, becoming a better business owner, and immersing themselves in a community of positive and supportive business owners. So if there's any BNI person there right now watching the show live, Please share the details. If there is a business owner listening to us here right now who wants to be part of BNI, please let them know how they can be part of the organization. Now, for this year's theme for the BNI Philippines, uh, for the Philippines National Conference, it is Beyond Borders, Beyond Imagination. The conference aims to open doors to new possibilities for business owners who face a lot of pandemic setbacks. Now, attendees can learn from both foreign and local speakers and connect with entrepreneurs from different industries and regions. 
And one of the highlights of the program in this event, uh, the event this year, is an immersive learning session with internationally known speaker, Mr. Victor Antonio. He is a renowned sales expert who will be sharing his invaluable strategies for increasing revenues. Now, for those who might not be familiar with Mr. Antonio, he's a sales trainer and consultant and is one of the most dynamic speakers on the subject of sales influence and persuasion, the author of 14 best-selling books on sales and motivation, and his most recent book is Mastering the Upsell, which focuses on how you can increase revenues by selling more to prospects or existing clients. If you want to find out more about his services, please visit uh, their website at salesvelocityacademy.com. Again, that's salesvelocityacademy.com, which is their online sales training platform. With that, please welcome here on my show, all the way from the U.S., joining us here right now uh, on the podcast, and you'll be the main keynote speaker of the BNI Philippine National Conference. Please welcome Mr. Victor Antonio. Thank you for having me, RJ. Glad to be here. Thanks so much, Victor. I was guessing many people were thinking, oh, we have a Filipino on the podcast? No. Uh, yeah. uh, Filipino sound, it was Spanish sounding name. So again, thanks so much for joining us, Victor. Really yeah. a pleasure to have you over here. Yeah, I do have now, a very Spanish sounding name. I should tell you this. By the way, my full name is Victor Antonio Rivas Gonzalez. So it's very Spanish. <laughs> very Spanish. Very Spanish. Uh, you, you, and I'm sure you're very also as familiar with us with, with your own with, with very Spanish cultures or, yes. or Spanish oriented cultures like the Philippines. So hopefully it's something like home for you. It is. It is. Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, Victor, I know it's been about three years uh, since you had a chance to actually uh, start restart uh, BNI having live conferences. And, and the big question I always ask guests who come here to the Philippines is that, you know, many times Filipinos can often be jaded. As you know, uh, one of our biggest exports are our people who try to look for opportunities abroad uh, to, to find job opportunities, to find greener pastures. But for many entrepreneurs, what they actually see is that, you know, when they look at the Philippines, they're saying, there's so much opportunity over there. We just don't have our eyes open to it. Maybe, I hope you don't mind, I wanted to ask your own opinion. What are you seeing as the big opportunities for the Philippines when it comes particularly to your area of expertise in sales? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Everything is mindset. But let me be clear, because I'm not going to, you know, everybody says mindset. You go, what does that mean? When the pandemic hit, and RJ, I don't know if you knew this, We, you know, because I didn't mention this to you. When the pandemic hit, I'm a sales trainer. I had a book schedule of all these travel dates, right? <laughs> when the pandemic hit, March 20, 2020, in the U.S., within about, within about a month, RJ, I like lost all my business. Contracts started coming in. Cancel, cancel, wow. cancel, cancel. And I'm like, uh-oh. And so at that moment, I said, what can I do? What can I do to pivot, to shift, to, you know, to try to do something? You know how you, sometimes you don't know what to do, but you got to do something. I believe you got to just keep moving. So then what I did is I took my one of my rooms in my studio, in my house, and I converted it into a studio. And then for three times a week, I would broadcast something called Sales After Dark. Now, three times a week, I'm broadcasting Sales After Dark training, right? I don't know who's watching, RJ. I really don't. I don't know who's watching. But I felt like I had to do something. Let me fast forward. By the end of the year... I lost, again, a big portion of my business. Not only did I get all my business back, 
I grew 18% in 2020. Wow. After 2020, 2021, it went up again. 2022, it was a fantastic year. Let's hope 2023 right now looks like another growth year. And I talked to a lot of other people who've gone through similar situations and the story is almost opposite. They didn't grow or they went flat or they just went down. My point is that it's funny how there's opportunities everywhere. We just have to know where to look or how to look at things, right? And so if you're from here, from the Philippines, right? And you're thinking, oh, I'll go to the U.S., for example, because there's more opportunities there, right? That's one way of looking at it. I would correct their mindset by saying, yes, you can go to the U.S. and there's more opportunities, but they're also, it's hyper competition over there, more aggressive competition than you can imagine, right? And so I'm looking at the Philippines. I've been here three, three days, maybe four now. I went over to Cebu. That was kind of, that was beautiful, by the way. Went over to Cebu. And so to me, there's opportunities everywhere. So sometimes we're looking in the U.S. I don't know if you have that saying here. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? The, but I have a different story. If, if I may share a small story with you, there's a story called the, there's a story called the Acres of Diamonds. I don't know if you ever heard of Acres of Diamonds story. And the story goes something like this. This is a very popular story. People get this story. It's, it's a fantastic story. It's about a, a man who lived in Africa, had a farm, had a family, had a farm. The man was happy. One day, a stranger comes and he starts telling him about these diamond mines in Africa. He said, man, if you were just to find like one diamond, you would be rich. If you were to find two diamonds, generational wealth, right? So what does the guy do? He decides to sell the farm, right? And go look for these diamonds, right? So he, so he goes off, looks for these diamonds. He spends all his money, all his time, his effort. He goes broke, commits suicide because things are going bad. Now, back at the farm, the new farm owner, the new farm owner is enjoying the farm. One day, the stranger comes by again to this new farmer's house. And then he sees this black rock above the fireplace on the mantle. And he yells at the far the new farmer says, that's a diamond. That's a diamond. The new farmer is like, no, that's a black rock. That's a black rock. He goes, no, that's a diamond in its rare form. Where did you find it? The farmer says, and in the back, there's a whole, by the stream, there's a bunch of rocks out there. There's a bunch of them back there. Now think about the story. The guy who thought there was opportunity out there didn't realize he had acres of diamonds in his backyard. One, he didn't know what he was looking for. He didn't see the opportunity. He saw a black rock. It wasn't until somebody pointed out that he had diamonds that he understood what he had. So when you look at like, let's go somewhere else because there's opportunity elsewhere. I would argue that the acres of diamonds is here in the Philippines. You got plenty of opportunities. You just have to see it and then exploit it, take advantage of it. And that's what the, by the way, that's what the sales conference is about is how do you build your own business? How do you grow yourselves? And then how do you create your own lifestyle? Fantastic. I'd love to really go that a bit more, a little preview of the, the sales talk that we're going to be getting into. Uh, but before that, one, I want to just go back a bit more into your own uh, origins, Victor. I hope you don't mind because, you know, a lot of people listening to the show are aspiring entrepreneurs or business people. And we try to figure out, you know, in us entrepreneurs, we often say, 
what was the pain point that you were trying to solve or what problem were you trying to solve that nobody else can address? And sometimes for an entrepreneur, we often see that from their own lifestyle. And for those people who don't know the background of Victor, and I had, a, I had the opportunity to peruse the background, you can actually see that on his website. That's salesvelocityacademy.com. And I understand that, you know, he came from a pretty a rough upbringing back, back in Chicago, uh, not not you know, well-to-do family, but eventually graduated with a degree in electrical engineering, um, took his MBA, worked for a, a Fortune 500 company, was their top seller, the top uh, VIP sales, has a lot of great speeches. But what was it, I guess, in your background that brought you to where you are here right now as a great sales speaker? Can you cite any specific things? that For many entrepreneurs, there's one incident that they say or part of their whole life story that, that brought them there. There's only one thing that drives me, fear. Now, it's interesting. I tell people that. I'm, dri- I'm driven by fear. Now, again, most people run from fear. Fear motivates me. The fear of not having money anymore. We were poor. We didn't have anything, right? So I was afraid of being poor. I didn't like it. So fear motivates me to do things. I don't want to be poor again. I don't want to have to worry about where my next paycheck is coming from. When you got a family, you don't want to have to worry how we're going to survive. So fear to me has always been the greatest motivator. And I think that's the difference. If right now you're listening or watching this and you're like, I'm afraid to do something, well, good for you. Because when you're afraid to do something, that means you're pushing, testing the boundaries of your limits. That means you're right there. Because if it was easy and you weren't afraid, that means you're not learning, you're not growing. But when you feel that sense of fear, that means you're right at the edge, you have to limit. And that's when you have to push further. So if you're thinking about doing something, uh, well, let me say this, RJ. A lot of people see me today and they see all the things I've had, success. Wow, look at him, all that good stuff, right? What they don't see is what I call the trail of tears, which are all the failures I've had, things that didn't go right, things that I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? You know, oh, I invested in that. That didn't work. That was a waste of time. Let's not do that again. But all that stuff helps me clarify what I want. So fear has always been a great motivator. The fear of not having, not not being able to pay for things, not being able to live the life you want has always motivated me forward. And having said that, you know, one of the more difficult things to talk to people about, especially in societies where failure is looked down upon, is how, as, as from your perspective as a sales entrepreneur and as, as a motivational speaker, how should people perceive failure? Because sometimes failure, they, I often say people say when they, when they fail in business, they feel like they failed in life. So they don't want to go they, they, or they got burned so they don't want to go into business anymore. But the best entrepreneurs I know all have, wear, all wear their failures as a badge of honor. So how, do you, how should people, I think, rethink the idea of failure? I think you've, you've answered the question. You wear it as a badge of honor. I think every time you do something, I must state the obvious. Every time you do something and you fail, there's always a learning moment. It's how you perceive the failure. Everybody knows this already, right? You can either perceive it as a pure failure or as a a series of learning moments, right? Now, it's easy to go down the failure. I'm an idiot. I'm not good. That's too easy. But when you start viewing it as a learning moment, that's the difference. But it's interesting because you're highlighting something that's important. It isn't so much whether every individual, every Filipino has the potential, right? Like right now, as soon as I said that, RJ, somebody watching or listening said, uh, I don't know about me, right? That's when you know something's wrong with their brain. Their mindset is wrong. For some reason, people think they don't have it. Everybody has a potential. 
But everybody thinks also it's a straight line to success, right? I start the business today. I start building and I'm successful. That's the way it works. You ask any successful entrepreneur, you ask any successful business person and ask them, was success a straight line? And they're going to say, no. Again, because again, RJ, what we see from the outside looking in is that the person's successful. And so we want to emulate that, which is good. But if you were to ask that person who's successful, did you get it right the first time? They're going to say, no. Did you fail a few times? Yes. That's part of the game. It's just, it's all about resilience, staying in there and not giving up. But you got to believe it. You got to believe it. By the way, belief is the only thing that pushes through failure. Let me say that again because I want you to hear that. Belief is the only thing that will allow you to push through failure. Fantastic. I'm taking down notes as we're speaking here right now. And again, thanks to all those watching here uh, from all over the country and listening and enjoying our podcast here with Victor. Uh, just to let you all know, Victor will be speaking at the BNI or Business Network International uh, Conference this coming Friday and Saturday uh, at the Newport World Hotel. Now, moving forward, Victor, um, you, you've become such a great speaker and you know, you've, you've taken your career from corporate uh, to global uh, and speaking all over the country. But if you don't mind, how did you say, I mean, there, there's a lot of speakers out there. So I often tell people, when you have to stand out, you have to have what we call uh, the secret sauce. Like if it's, if it's KFC, you say it's the 11 secret herbs and spices. That makes you different. It's an unfair advantage that you have that nobody else has. When did you start realizing that your gift of, of discussing or talking about sales was very different from the other speakers out there? And how did you build that skill set moving in that direction? That's a great question. So it all starts with a, um, uh, I don't know who, if you know who Zig Ziglar is, right? Zig Ziglar in the U.S. was a powerful sales and motivational speaker, right? And one day, years ago, you know, I think it was 1993. That's how long ago, like 30 years ago. I saw Zig Ziglar speaking and I was like, oh my God, look at this guy. I said, that's what I want to do, right? And so, but I was working in corporate America still. So I just said, one day I want to be a speaker just like that guy, right? And so what's funny is that I said, okay, how do I become a better speaker? And then I found this group called Toastmasters. Now, I know you have it in the Philippines here also. Toastmasters is a speaking organization that you learn how to speak properly, right? Learn how to deliver many presentations. So I joined Toastmasters and I worked on the art of speaking. I did that for two or three years, right? Art of speaking. What began to happen, Archie, was very fascinating. Now, remember, I'm still in the world of corporate America and the world of selling, right? But because I was learning how to speak, communicate, I was becoming better at selling. Because I was becoming good at speaking, my bosses would always ask me to do the company presentations, right? So I started realizing that your ability to speak, to communicate, to present is a very powerful tool, and so I would recommend highly to anybody listening and watching that you join Toastmasters and learn how to speak. So fast forward, my career is going well. I'm president of sales and marketing, a $420 million company. And one day I said, you know what? I want to do what I want to do, which is speak, right? Now, so I launched myself into the speaking business. Now, I don't mind talking numbers because I think I need people to understand that the impact of what just happened. At that time, this is 2003, RJ. I'm making easily, my base salary is 250000 U.S., right? Commissions, mm -hmm. half a million dollars easy 
you know, U.S., right? Now, not bad for a kid who was poor, right? Doing well. But I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a speaker. I want to write books. So then I take the ultimate leap, RJ. I said, I'm going to just go into corporate America. So May 9th, 2001, I said, I'm going to start my business, right? RJ, first year in business, I went from half a million dollars, easy, right? To $17,000. That's one seven. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> Over half a million to 17. And I'm like, what did I do? You ever have those moments like, what did I do? Did I just screw myself? Did I just screw myself, right? But again, I really wanted to be a speaker. I mean, it was in my mind. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to figure this out. So I started marketing myself. The second year, I made $56,000, right? Again, not a half a mil, 56,000. But in my head, I'm going, okay, we're getting better. I mean, 17 to 56, maybe not a lot, but it's good enough for me. The third year, finally got over $100,000 a year, right? And then we've been growing ever since. But it was those first two years that really tested my belief system. Like, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? And so the secret sauce for me was two things. When I started speaking first, RJ, I used to do the formal, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you just told them. A very structured speech, right? And then I realized that my style of speaking is very different. I like to have fun. You know, if you come out to the event on Friday, you're going to learn a lot and have a lot of fun at the same time. When I combined combined humor, storytelling, and then delivering content, like real useful content, that was part of the secret sauce. It was just that ability to kind of mold that, 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 that way of speaking. And then the second, here was the biggest lesson, RJ. Here was the turning point. And I want, again, your viewers or listeners to really listen to this. So I'm at $17,000 that first year, right? $17,000, right? And I remember I was singing the sad song. You ever start feeling sorry for yourself? Like, oh, what did I do this? I don't know. You know, you just start, you break out the violin, right? You start playing, you know, woe is me, right? And you start going, getting all depressed, right? So there was a speaker, his name was Randy Gage. He was, he was killing it at the time, just murmuring it, right? And I said, and then he was going to do a workshop, right? The one we're going to do Friday. He's going to do a workshop. And I said, I'm going to go see this guy speak. And what I'm going to do, RJ, I said to myself, was during lunch, I'm going to see if I can sit next to him and see if I can talk to him and just get the secret sauce, right? You know, full of secret sauce, right? So sure enough, lunch comes. I'm there. I'm right next to the guy, right? And so I'm telling him my sad story. Again, the violin music, how things are not going my way, right? And then after him politely listening to me, whined about my life and my speaking business, he said this to me, RJ. This was, this was a turning point from a mindset standpoint, he said, he said, Victor, let me ask you a question. I said, what's your question? This is after, again, I basically threw up all over him with all my poverty, right? And why it's not going well. He said, Victor, let me ask you a question. I said, yeah. He said, Victor, what business are you in? I go, speaking business. He said, no, just like that. I just said, no. I said, okay, so I'm in the training business. He goes, no, like that, just hard, RJ, just no, like that, right? I said, okay, I'm in the consulting business. No, 
you're in the I'm motivational speaking. No, he just kept going. No, no, no. And I got so frustrated. I said, okay, fine. Tell me what business I'm in because apparently I don't know. And then this is what he said to me. He said, you're in the marketing business first, the speaking business second. And I, you know how when you hear something and you're not ready to hear it or you don't want to hear it, it's like your brain rejects it, right? But later on, the more I thought about it, I go, he's right. I'm in the marketing business first, speaking business second. And that's when I learned that the secret slash power to growth, especially for entrepreneurs, is your ability to market, to learn how to market yourself, your business. You can have the best product in the world, the best service in the world, but if nobody knows you exist, it doesn't matter. So then I became the ultimate marketer, which helped my business grow. Fantastic story. Thanks for sharing. Really great insights. I mean, for myself, I'm, as you were speaking, I was reflecting on how I've been growing in, in my own career, both as a speaker and, uh, and, as, a, and as a moderator and, and, and as a host. And I'm seeing right now, uh, this is actually how I should relook things. That I'm not, I'm not just a speaker. I have to be a marketer, uh, number one. So again, thanks so much for the insight there, Vic. Um, now, I'm going to move on a bit more and, and ask you... Uh, your expertise, what you're going to be speaking about a bit more uh, this coming uh, Friday uh, for BNI. And as we get into that conversation, I know that the biggest things you talk about are actually sales influence and persuasion. So I guess the best way for us to think is, uh, like you said, uh, most of the conversation we've been having right now is we need to rethink the way we see things. We need to rethink the way that we see opportunity. We need to rethink the way that we see failure. What do you want us as business owners and as entrepreneurs to rethink about the way we think about sales? Yeah. The, you know, you said something about opportunity. So let me, let me answer the opportunity piece first, because I want to make sure people get this. Like, and, and tell me if this has ever happened to you, RJ. Did you ever buy, like, I bet, think about the first car you bought or the most recent car. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? You bought a car. And then after you bought the car, that model, that brand, you started noticing more people on the highway with your car. Has it ever happened to you? Like you bought something and you start doing yes. it to other people, right? So, so what happened? Did everybody go buy the car the same day? No. The cars were always there. But it wasn't until you bought your car that you saw all the other cars that were like your car, right? Same mindset mm-hmm. in business. It isn't until you commit to business that you begin to see other business opportunities because now you're in the business of growing a business. And I want people to remember that, that once you start seeing opportunities because you're in the business, you start seeing opportunities you didn't see before. That's why I tell people, you just have to do it. Figure out a way, just have to do it. And so to tie it into sales and what we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, at at the workshop is that I truly believe this. This is like my philosophy. If you don't know how to sell, you're handicapped. You're handicapped for the rest of your life. Because whether you're selling a product, whether you're selling a service, whether you're selling an idea, or most importantly, when you're selling yourself, if you don't know how to do it, you're not going to be successful. You'll be average. That's about it. But you'll never be truly successful. Sales to me is like one of those skills that if you learn it, first of all, it's yours. Right? What I mean by that is like, I can go work for a company and I can learn their system, right? But it's their system. If I learn how to sell, no matter where I go, 
I'll always have the skill set. Now, here's the second part of that. I truly believe that if you become great at selling, you'll never have to worry about two things, getting a job or making money. Let me say that again. If you know how to sell, you'll always have a job and you'll always make money. Why? Because every company needs great salespeople. And businesses know to keep great salespeople, you have to pay them a lot of money. So think about that for a second. If you learn how to sell, you'll always have a job and you'll always make money. So why wouldn't you want to learn how to sell? And the sad thing is that, the, is that they don't teach this in school, not at the university. In the United States, RJ, I don't know if you know this, is that more and more universities are now incorporating a sales program as part of a college degree. And that number continues to grow at number of universities. Fantastic. So um, we're going to be talking about one of the first things is that I want to talk about is you have the two things you specialize in, sales influence mm-hmm. and persuasion. Correct. If you don't mind, uh, you know, this is a chance for you to just really share other people here wanting to find out what would you like to share, first of all, best practices when it comes to the idea of sales influence. Uh, not everybody has that, I guess, personality developed sales influence. What exactly does that mean for you? Yeah. Sales influence is not a personality type. The, the thing is, Look, I've been on the, I've been here in Manila and in Cebu a few days now, right? And I've been here before, by the way. Uh, this is not my first time to Manila. Uh, and I know that the Filipino culture, you're very service oriented. You're beautiful people. You're very polite, very reserved, right? And so you're, you're very aware, right? That's your culture. It's, it's, a, it's almost like a hospitality service mindset, right? You're very polite, very courteous. You're just beautiful people, right? Now, when people think that way, they go, well, that's not the profile of a salesperson. That's not the profile of a good salesperson. I'm like, yes, it is, right? Because everybody, there is no profile for a salesperson. I've met people who are very aggressive, who are great salespeople. I've met people who are very passive, very quiet, very subtle, who are also great salespeople. And so the power of influence is, is knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Let me say it again. It's knowing what to say, how to say, when to say it. And everybody can learn this. In the world today, nobody wants to be pressured into making a sale. So if you think that sales influence or persuasion is about pressuring people, that's not selling. To be good at sales, you just first of all have to know the value you offer and be able to communicate that value. And then how do you frame it? Right? How do you frame a conversation? Let me give you a simple example because people are going to go, what does that all mean? Here's an example of influence. If I showed you a glass of water and it was filled halfway, RJ, is it half empty or half full? What would you say? Well, it depends if you're a pessimist or an optimist. Right. So <laughs> if, you're a pes- yeah. if you're a pessimist, you say what? Half empty, right? It, if you're it's optimist, you say Yeah. Full. That's not it. Here's what they found that's interesting. They had two different rooms set up. They walk into one room with a full glass of water and they empty out half of it. And the majority of people said, that glass is half empty. They then walked into another room with an empty glass and filled it up halfway. And the majority of people said, it's half full. Right? So how I presented the information, the glass and the water, determined the perception. That's powerful if you think about it, right? 
because that's called sequencing. What I show you first versus what I show you second makes all the difference in the world. So I'll be covering strategies like that, that you can incorporate. And I'll show you how to use that example to actually position things so people can see the value more. In other words, it's almost like reaching in your brain and just shifting it just by using that simple example of water. So imagine if I can change your perception of a glass, half empty or half full, by how I present it. Imagine if you learned how to do this with a presentation on how to sell products or services. Got that. And now the other one is, I love how if people were listening over here, I'm trying to dissect the discussion. It's very interesting because you get to see the, the idea of how to create influence and move it forward, the framework. What framework do you also establish when it comes to persuasion? Because like you said, for influence, it's not pressuring the person to, to buy from you. You're showing the value. And when it comes to persuasion, what does that require from you mm-hmm. uh, uh, to make sure that it, it, it works to your advantage? When, when I look at, you know, I've, I've been asked, def- you know, what's the difference between influence and persuasion? I always get that, right? What's the difference between influence and persuasion? To me, one is, you know, more covert. One is more, you know, overt. By that, I mean is, yeah, you know, right? Influence is covert, very subtle, very subtle. Persuasion is, co- you know, it's, it's big over, it's blunt, right? I think we're, we're, we're moving away from the world of persuasion and we're moving towards a world of influence. It's almost, influence is very quiet. Persuasion is more trying to pressure people. And here's what's changed in the market. People today, customers today, potential buyers today have more information than they've ever had, which means they're more, I guess, they're not susceptible to being lied to. They have a lot of information. They're less trusting. They're less loyal. And when you try to sell them through persuasion, they pull back. But if I use an influence framework, then it's a matter of pulling them into my conversation. So I I look at persuasion as pushing. Influence is drawing them in to a different mindset for buying. If you don't mind, can can we give some examples of Using persuasion versus influence. I know you, you gave sure. another one. Maybe, maybe I'm sure you've got a stop of different examples. All right. So, for example, I use this as uh, this is one of my favorite examples. Okay. There's a big burger and there's a small burger, right? Big burger, small burger. Now, the tendency when I show people two big burgers, a big burger and a small burger, rather, the tendency is the majority of people will choose the smaller burger, right? Because the big one just seems a little intimidating. The majority of people probably buy the small burger, right? If two options are offered now. And then I ask people this question. How do I sell you that bigger burger? How do I get you, instead of buying the small burger, how do I get you to buy the big burger? Here's persuasion. All right, RJ, you want to buy the bigger burger. It has twice the meat, twice the cheese. Has It's a bigger meal. You'll love it. You'll feel more full, so forth and so on. I want you to buy the double-decker, not the single, right? So that's me trying to say, you want the double decker. You don't want the single. You want the double. It's getting more, more tomato, more sauce, more tomatoes. Uh, again, you get the idea, right? You, f- you feel that pressure of trying to get you to buy. Now, that's me trying to persuade you to buy the bigger burger. Now, here's influence. What I do is I add a third burger with three patties. Now there's a single, double, triple. The way your brain works is that you'll choose the one in the middle, the double burger. So by simply giving you a third option, I forced you mentally 
to accept the one in the middle, which is the double. That's influence versus persuasion. Lovely example. Thanks for making this a lot clearer. And I just want to greet the people listening to us here live right now. Uh, again, Beverly B. Hawson, really listening to the conversation, repeating what you said earlier on. If you do not know how to sell, you are handicapped. If you know how to sell, you will always have a job. Exactly what Victor was trying to point out earlier on. Thanks so much, Jasper, if you can, if you can highlight that one. And the other lesson that was also very much enjoyed by one of our listeners, Dominic Barrio, saying, love that sequencing lesson, Victor. Excited for this coming Friday. Thanks so much, uh, Dominic Barris, for listening. And to the other BNI people listening here right now, appreciate uh, your support. Uh, I want to move a bit more forward here. So sure. another question I want to ask that people often have, have when it comes to doing sales is that usually in the old paradigm, I guess, of sales is that they're saying there are people whose personalities are just right for sales because they are extroverted. They like to talk a lot. They kind yeah. of give the gap. Therefore... Yeah. These are the people who should do sales. But from what I'm picking up is that 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 shouldn't be the case because you have to know how to sell yourself. You could be the most brilliant programmer, whatever you have. But if you don't have the skill set, you might not be able to move in that direction. How do we change people's mindsets? How should people change their mindset when they realize that all of us should be sales entrepreneurs? Yeah, there was a study done. I'm trying to remember the author. It was a great study. Oh, I feel so bad. I think it was a guy called Adam Grant. Did an interesting study on salespeople. This, RJ. Okay, so this is important. This is like mind-blowing. What they did is they, and, I, and I'll try to get the, I won't have the numbers right, but the point, I'll, I'll make the point. They looked at introverts, people who were categorized as introverts, and then they looked at their sales, right? Then they looked at people who were extroverts, and they looked at their sales, right? Introvert sales, extrovert sales. But then... There were some people who just blended and they called them ambiverts. So an ambivert is neither an introvert nor an extrovert. Ambiverts actually sold more. Now, what does that tell you? If you're an extrovert, by the way, the problem with extroverts is that they don't listen because they're too busy talking. The problem with introverts is that they're too busy listening and they don't you know, keep a communication going, right? A conversation. So if you're an introvert, you just need to learn how to talk just a little more. You don't have to be like a fast talking salesman. You just need to communicate a little better. And if you're an extrovert, you need to shut up once in a while and listen more to your client. My point is that it's a blend of the two. I get quick story. I was selling a lot of telecommunication equipment, right? It's big deals, right? And one of the best salesperson I knew, his name was David Shoemaker. And if you met David Shoemaker, RJ, and I told you, this guy's always in the top three, you would have said, no way. Because the guy was so quiet. By the way, he was so quiet, he would make a Filipino sound loud. Okay, that's how quiet he was. <laughs> but, but customers loved him because, and I remember I asked one of his customers, he says, what is it about this guy that you, know, you just love buying from? He says... He just listens, Victor. And when he comes to visit us, he never tries to sell us. He just tells us what's available. And he's always there. Isn't that something? He's not even talking most of the time. He's just always there being very storage oriented, just trying to help. So if you're thinking you can't sell, it's in your head. It's in your head. And talking about selling, uh, again, if you be, if you all get a chance to visit the salesvelocity.com site, uh, one of the points that Victor X emphasized over there is that you should stop selling on price. 
Tell us yeah. a bit more why why that is not something uh, that you recommend. Because it's not price. You're, look, maybe 10%, maybe 15% of the people will buy on price, right? These are commodity buyers, right? By the way, now, I'm not talking about buying bubble gum on the street here, right? <laughs> or something simple. Of course, everybody's just going to try to get the best price. But I want you to think about it. If I asked you right now, RJ, is that the cheapest shirt you could buy on the market today? In other words, did you try to find the cheapest shirt on the market and then buy it? Your answer would be like mine. If you ask me the same question, I go, no. I know I could probably find a cheaper shirt like this somewhere. But there was something about this shirt that I what liked. It's never really about price. I think price was an excuse. When you sell on price, you're not selling. You're gifting. You're giving it away. True salespeople don't want to sell on price. Now, is there a time where you have to discount? Maybe, maybe. But it should be the exception, not the rule. Let me say that again. If you discount, it should be an exception, like one out of 20 times. Because real salespeople don't have to discount. And you often say over here, which I like very much, that, that the real differentiator of companies or the real secret sauce of companies should be their salespeople. Yes. Because they should yeah. be the real differentiator of the companies. Yeah. The, the, and and as you way, share that. Oh, no, no. I, by the way, I love that you brought that up because I, that's a point I like to emphasize. In today's world, you're not special. Your product is not special. Your service is not special. You're just not. Somebody has a similar product. Somebody has a similar service. So then when we, what do we ask ourselves? Then what's the differentiator? It's the salesperson that frames, positions the product with the client in such a way that the customer goes, I want to buy from him. Like, I'm sure, RJ, if I asked you, we had a longer discussion. There's certain services you buy from people, not because it's the cheapest. It's just you just trust them more. Exactly. And when I look at corporate sales or entrepreneurial sales, when, you, when you're looking for people to join the company, do you recommend that you get people who you train to become salespeople or do you get people who you think are coming from other sales companies that you hire into your company? Meaning, is it something that, that, that you can train to develop or should you always look outside to develop those salespeople and send them to classes and send them to, uh, mm. to attend events like this? That's a fantastic question, by the way. Yeah, it's a very good question. It's a very, it's one of those questions that it's almost like debating politics and religion, right? Because there's people who, who say, you know, hire people who come from the industry. Cause again, their speed to value, how fast they can hit the ground running and start selling is much faster. There's other people who says, no, 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 you, you want us to take them from the beginning and mold them into what you want, right? Two different schools of philosophy. And the answer, I'm sure, lies somewhere in the middle. If you ask me, it would depend on the type of business I'm in. If I'm in a very complex sale, complex sale, where I know that the ramp-up time is going to be long. So again, I came from the telecommunications background. If I'm hiring somebody in the telecom business, I'm actually going to look for somebody who's been in the industry already because of the complexity of the sale. Now, if, I'm, if I have a product, let's say a software product, that I believe that somebody can learn and begin to be proficient, demo it, show it, and they can do that in a month or two, then I would probably want to bring people who are newer to the company on board. One, they'll be cheaper to hire, right? Because they're just starting out. And that can hit the market running. So it really depends on products. Simple products, I would bring in new people. Complex products or a cycle, long sales cycle, 
I would bring in experts or people who've been in the industry already. I'm very curious to find out what you think about uh, when it comes to sales. You know, there, there are many different sales distribution channels nowadays that people are getting into. You have, you know, mm. people do very good at direct selling. Some are good with uh, network marketing. Some are good with um, mm. uh, uh, basically just, or, or what's very strong here right now in terms of direct to consumers, people going on TikTok and, and selling themselves uh, over there. Sure. Can you give us your own, your own background as to seeing what do you think has become, uh, I guess, the most ideal system for, for sales? Or what, what, what do you recommend in terms of uh, when you look at the sales, uh, the different sales, I guess, velocities from these different uh, distribution channels? Yeah. Again, a great question because you're, you're asking the, you know, what's the best channel to go after to, you know, generate business for your business, right? So that's the question you have to ask. So, for example, I'll use myself as an example. I do a lot of sales training. That's that's what I do. Sales training and speaking, right? So if I go, let's go through some of the channels. Uh, if I do my customers exist on Facebook? Well, I have to understand who my customer is first. My customer is typically a typical executive, large company, right? Or small, medium-sized business, but typically large company or medium-sized business. They're probably a VP of sales, a president of sales. That's the profile, right? These are the people that hire me or their HR, right? Now, if I go on TikTok, what are the chances that a CEO or president is hanging out on TikTok? Not likely, right? If I go over to Facebook, what are the chances of that? Mm, not likely, right? How about LinkedIn? Oh, wait a minute. LinkedIn, I know that's where the executives hang out, right? And I also know that executives also like to watch videos on YouTube. So I made a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to try to serve all these different channels or you know, pursue them. Which ones are the high leverage channels? That's the phrase. You look for high leverage channels. And to me, it was LinkedIn and YouTube. That's where I focus. So Instagram, not for me. TikTok, TikTok not for me. So Twitter, not for me. Facebook, not for me. And I think you need to do that because to try to market through all these different channels, you'll just drive yourself nuts. It's too much work. Got that. Um, very, uh, and these things, uh, the, the more that I ask that question, the more I realize that should have been elementary in realizing how to submit the market to figure out where you want to sell yourself over there. Now, your, your most recent book is Mastering the Upsell. Uh, do you mind sharing with us a bit more of the principles from the, your current book, Mastering the Upsell, and what, what we can use, what we can uh, benefit from in learning how to gain specific mm. skill sets in that in upselling? Maybe upselling also mm. is to explain to people who might not be familiar with, with the term. Okay. So going back to the acres of diamond stories, right? That's actually the story is actually in the book, Mastering the Upsell, is that when I sell you, for example, RJ, I just sold you, let's say, a training package, right? sold your training package. And then what I want to do is see if you'll buy something else from me, right? That's upselling. Like McDonald's, for example, makes about, what is it, $40 million more just by asking this one upsell question. Would you like fries with that? Would you like fries with that? That's it. It's a $40 million question, right? That's upsell, right? You bought a burger. Would you like fries with that? That's an upsell, right? So in today's market, it's hard to acquire new clients. But what if we go after our existing clients and we upsell them more? Well, that's easier because they already know us, right? 
the cost of sale goes down because I don't have to spend a lot of time and money just to try to get a new customer. I already have them. I just need to sell them more. And what I tell people is that look at the current customer base that you have, existing customers, and then think of the acres of diamond stories. The acres of diamonds are other upsell opportunities, things I can sell to that existing customer. That's the mindset of mastering the upsell. Got that. And as we move on, you know, I realize you've, you've, we've been always talking for an hour and it's been really uh, yeah. One, yeah. one black rock after the other as you've been speaking over here. Right. Um, what are you seeing right now? I, I, from your perspective, I'm very curious. What are you seeing right now as different emerging business opportunities in sales and also in other industries that, that from your perspective, have been growing, uh, that you've been seeing in the States or maybe in other regions? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, every industry has some type of growth. I think my, if you ask me what my, I'll flip the question. I'm not going to answer. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'll flip the question. The thing that's on my mind now, five years ago, I wrote a book called Sales Ex Machina, which is how artificial intelligence is changing the world of selling, right? And that was five years ago. Now, for those of you who know, you, know, you got, you got chat GPT, right? And I don't think people understand the power of that new technology. And if you leverage, and by the way, if you don't know what ChatGPT is, you better find out right away because this is going to revolutionize everything. And have you tried it, RJ? Uh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. And so you know what I'm talking about. It's a disruptive technology. Fantastic. Yes. And yeah. we're just, we're just, uh, we're just on the, tip of the iceberg in terms of learning the opportunities you could have in, in business and marketing. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't know what business opportunities are out there, but I know what what technologies are disrupting, and that's a disruptor right there. And having a background in AI, understanding AI, to see this come about now, I'm like, what is going on? It's going to change the service industry, you know, everything from marketing for sales. It's going to change everything. How we do cold calling, the whole bit. And so, I would emphasize that anybody listening or watching should actually go to openai.com, which is where you'll find ChatGPT, and learn how to use the tool and then leverage that tool. That to me is the biggest disruptor right now. I still go back to this point about no matter what channel you go after, there's so many opportunities out there. You just have to be able to see them, just like buying a new car. Once you say, I want this business, and this is a good point, RJ, you got to make a decision what you want to go after. You can't go after three or four things at one time. Me, I do sales. That's what I do. People go, Victor, do you do customer service? No, I don't do customer service. Do you do leadership training? I don't do that. Do you do teamwork? No, I don't do that. I do one thing, sales. And people know me for sales. And so when people know me for sales, they know how to find me. Have you met people, RJ, that you ask them, what do you do? Well, I do a little bit of this. I do a little bit of that. I do a little bit of this. Well, if you're that person, you're not doing anything. You'll always struggle. And I'll end with this line, that people don't want generalists, people want specialists. And if you become a specialist at something, good at something, because you study it, you understand it, you build on it, people will come to you. Because in my world today, RJ, I don't, you know, prospect, I don't have to go out and get business. Business comes to me. Why? Because people know what I do. They want what I have. And there they are. I feel very guilty as I speak to you because I'm, I'm somebody who's done, I'm a multitasker, so it's hard to be a, a generalist uh, when you've been a multitasker for most of your career. Uh, and me as an entrepreneur, that's, 
that's where I've come from. But yeah. then again, uh, this is a nice wake up call for many of us who uh, live multi hyphenated lives. And speaking of that, when I want to go back to the comment box where somebody says over here, where E.B. Bonita is saying, very interesting uh, conversations with Victor Antonio. Nice podcast. Thanks so much, E.B. Bonita. Jasper, let's show that, uh, that post over there. And we also have from Bernadette Ferrero, who will be seeing in BNI. Great learning indeed. Thanks so much, uh, Bernadette, for joining us here and, and sending in your comments. Um, as we move forward over here, uh, Victor, maybe just one last time, let's invite people as well to join us and, and to let them know a bit of what you'll be sharing uh, this coming Friday at the BNI Philippine National Conference. It's exciting. Look, there's something I call uh, the Sales Velocity Academy. The Sales Velocity Academy is bounded on the principle of the Sales Velocity Equation. And listen carefully. There's only four ways to grow sales. That's it. Four ways to grow sales, and there's only four ways to grow your business. I'm going to walk you through those four ways. So whether you want to grow your business, there's only four ways. Whether you want to grow your sales, there's only four ways. And once we take those four and we focus on each one of them, you will see your sales grow. I will give you a plan. You will walk out of there with a plan, like a real go-to-market plan, something you can use the next day and start executing. Too often, we go to these conferences, we listen to a speaker, but the speaker talks in generalities, right? In theory, what might happen, what could happen. No, I'm going to give you tools that you can use the very next day to start selling or growing your business. Got that. Very intriguing, making more people want to attend the BNI Philippine National Conference uh, this Friday and Saturday at, of course, uh, at the hotels here. See you. Oh, I got uh, Yarmo Kil- uh, Kilstrom. I hope you got your name correct, last name, uh, Yarmo. See you both at the BNI National Conference where the conversations will definitely uh, continue. And if you're intrigued uh, by these four ways to grow your sales, uh, please uh, check out the BNI National Conference. Uh, Yarmo Bernadette, maybe you can place here in the comment box. Uh, if people are still interested to sign up or to attend, if they can, and if they can sign up as well uh, to join BNI, how can they go about that? I'm sure you get people who want to find out more about uh, being members of BNI and growing their businesses. Um, Victor, one last thing as we start to wrap up our conversation. Um, you've had great experience starting from 1991 when you left work, built your career uh, from 20,000 to 17,000. I guess, right, the multi-million uh, conferences where you speak. Um, what advice would you like to share to aspiring sales entrepreneurs and, and speakers who want to build their careers? What mistakes don't you want them to make that you've learned over the years that made you who you are today? Oh, I, I, yeah. I, no, no, no. I, by the way, it's not what to do. It's that just do it. Like, just do it. Stop talking about it. You know, it, it, you hear people all the time. Every year, they talk about the same thing. They talk about, I want to be this. I want to be this. Next year at Christmas, you know what? I want to be this. I want to be this. I'm like, shut up. Do it. Either either do it or be quiet. I was told that a long time ago. Either shut up or do it. And so just do it. The worst thing that can happen is you fail, and then you know it didn't work out. Make the adjustments. Make the plan. Keep it going. And so, you know, the event we're doing with BNI, by the way, if you don't know who BNI is, you need to find out what this organization is about because it's all about helping you and your business grow your business. So the folks who go there will also be some great people from BNI, people you network with, because as we say in the U.S., you might say this here in the Philippines, but your net worth is your network, right? Your net worth is your network. So the more people you can add to your network, the more contacts you have, the more opportunities come your way. But if you have an idea, something you've been thinking about, it's been that idea back there. You're thinking about that dream. Do it. 
just do it. The worst thing to do is not do it and die with regret. Thank you so much, Victor Antonio. Uh, for those who are interested to hear more from Victor, of course, you can drop by his website, salesvelocityacademy.com. But at the same time, if you guys want to listen to him live this coming weekend, please visit uh, online. You can go to bniphevents.com slash PNC. Again, it's bniphevents.com slash PNC for the Philippine National Convention. And if you want to visit the website of, uh, there you go, there's the website right, or the website right there uh, from Bernard and for those who want to check out Victor Antonio you've got this website victorantonio.com again Victor I will see you this weekend thank you so much for this opportunity this was the RJ Ledesa podcast we will see you in the next podcast thanks everybody thank you The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 